the series of sermons that we've had on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I don't know about you, but right throughout it, um, I have been blessed and challenged and inspired to uh, genuinely search out my heart to have a closer walk with the Savior. And the portion of Scripture which we are going to be looking at uh, this evening is very well known to us all, more than likely. Even if you're not someone who's particularly familiar with the Bible, uh, you will have heard many people, whether in business um, or even in personal life, talk about football, all about having a good foundation. If you're going to build something, you've got to make sure you've got a good foundation. And so what the Lord Jesus uses, this illustration which he uses, it should be, to some degree, all quite familiar to us. And so I endeavor, I want to be able to bring this to you in a fresh way, which is going to be quite hard because whenever you search to see how many sermons or to find if there's any sermons preached on this, in particular what I've been doing, I've been going through the Psalms since Psalm 1 all the way through them. And you search to see how many sermons have been preached. You go into sermon.com or something like that and you'll have so many pages that show up. But you type in this particular portion of Scripture and you've got reams and reams and reams of pages of people that have preached on this passage. It's very well known. So it's hard to bring anything fresh. But nevertheless, I believe the Spirit has been with me as in my preparation to bring something to you that will challenge your soul. And I really want to do this in the light of what has gone before. This is the final, like I said, sermon of a series of sermons that we've been preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. And the first words in our passage, therefore, is actually tying us to what has gone before. Therefore, as a result of what I have said previously, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. So it would be wrong for us to move forward in this passage without fully considering or without properly considering what has gone before. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. So he's not, when he pluralizes that word sayings, he's not just even referring to what has immediately gone before. So when it talks about not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that very challenging portion of Scripture this, therefore, does link to that, but it links to more than that. This is linking to all of the sermon that has gone before. From the very first time that the Lord opens His mouth with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right through to where we are now. He is saying, therefore, after all of that, these are my sayings, those who hear these things, that listen to these things of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. So this is the climax. This is the end of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ's sermon to his people then and to us here this evening. And this is what he says. Whoever hears, whoever hears these words, whoever listens to these words of mine, Whoever not, not just hears them in the sense of you're listening to me, I'm speaking audibly, and therefore you should be able to hear my voice, you lucky person, my Scottish twang, 
but you should be able to listen to what I am saying. You should be able to take in what I'm saying. It's one of the things which is a blessing and a curse as a preacher, especially when you get to know a congregation, because you start to realize the different quirks that people have when they are listening and when they are not listening. There's a particular, I can't, I'm not going to spell it out for you because it would be rude to do so, but there was someone who I preached to fairly regularly at a different church, and they sat exactly the same way every time I preach. Every time I preach, they sit in exactly the same position, and they never look at me. They're always head down. They never look at me. But there was one particular sermon that I preached, and as I, I do, you might know this about me, I got a little bit animated, more animated than I normally do, uh, and he actually looked at me as I preached, and I thought, man, I've got his attention. There we go. We've, we've got his attention. And this is what the Lord is saying. Whoever hears, whoever listens, whoever understands what I have said before, and not just hears them, not as just listened to, not just understood them, but does them, obeys them. They go out and act on them. And so, brothers and sisters, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is getting at. The sayings that I have put before you. The wise man is the one who does them. And this, brothers and sisters, is vital when it comes to any sermon, but in particular, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the words that we have heard just last week that we looked at still should be ringing true in your ears as we approach this next portion of Scripture, where we had those awful words, and you can just imagine the horror of the situation. And brothers and sisters, we will witness this, that there will be someone who will approach God and say, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I not heal in your name? Did I not do this in your name? Did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not do many wonders in your name? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Hard, hard words. But the reality, it will be the reality for some people who would have heard the words audibly, but never listened didn't understand the sayings of the Lord, and more importantly, didn't do them. And all they had when they approached God was what we have done, what I have done. And that is the common denominator for what they say, is that we, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many wonders in your name? We, this is what I have done. Josh Richardson, Lord, I preached in many churches. I brought up children learning their, their Bible. I was part of a family that had preachers in it. I had did this, I did that. Surely, Lord, Lord, you know me. I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, you who practice lawlessness. Because I don't preach, and I don't bring up my children, I don't be part of the family that I am part of in order to be able to justify myself before God. 
That is not the purpose of you being here this evening. The purpose of you being here this evening is not to justify yourself before God. It's not to buy credit with God. That's not the point of this evening. The point of this evening is to point you to the rock. The rock that is higher than I. Is to point you to someone who you can build your life on that when the floods come, that when the winds beat, that when the rains are descending, you will not be moved. And it has nothing to do with your performance in church, in family, in work, but is everything to do with the completed work on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the challenge goes to us that when the Lord Jesus Christ began this beautiful sermon and said, blessed are the poor in spirit, the poverty, those who are, are in poverty of spirit, those who have realized their need of the Savior and have cried out for salvation and have realized the kingdom of heaven is theirs, those who have mourned, spiritually mourned, and have now been comforted, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteous, those who, who, are, who are merciful, those who are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, those who are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, those who do not try to perform like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and keep the law, but rely on the fact that Christ has, has kept the law. Those here this evening who understand that in their heart there is the ability to murder. There is the ability to harbor such hatred in your heart that you would actually commit that act. That you would be someone that could commit adultery in your heart. That you would be a liar, an oathbreaker, someone who would make a promise and fail to keep that promise. But as a Christian, you would learn to go the second mile. You would learn to do that almost impossible task and love your enemy. You would learn not to do good to please yourself or to make yourself look good, but to bring glory to God. That you would realize that as a Christian, you should love the place of prayer. And not the place where you can stand, where everybody can hear you and see you and pray loudly so that people can give you kudos or, or can say, he, isn't he good? But the Christian who loves the secret place of prayer. That when they fast, they don't tell others, they don't twist their face to make it look like they're fasting, but they fast unto the Lord. They don't work for this world, but they lay up their treasures in heaven. They're not worried about tomorrow because tomorrow is in their Savior's hands. They know that He holds tomorrow. They don't judge like the hypocrites. They allow God to be the judge. They will ask. They will seek. They will knock. They will search out for God, they will walk the narrow way. They won't walk on the broad way, which leads to destruction, where many people are, where the devil will tempt you to go. 
but we'll walk in that narrow way where few are, where it, it can be difficult, it can be tough, but all of this will dem- be demonstrated in the fruit that you produce, that you produce good fruit, that those who are around you can look at your life and say, there is a Christian. There is a Christian because of the fruit that they are producing. And that, brothers and sisters, that will guard you against that day when you stand before Almighty God and rather saying, Lord, Lord, you know me, the Lord will say, come, my faithful servant, come. And you wait for that call from the Lord that you know rather than you getting in front and saying, I've done this, I've done that. You will hear, well done, my good and faithful servants. So there are the sayings and what the Lord is demanding as we approach this final portion of Scripture and and the Sermon on the Mount is that we do them. He wants obedience. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. You see, we live in a world where, especially within the the, the Christian world, where professions abound, where people will say, I am a Christian. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And they will confess with their mouth, Lord, Lord, but the sayings of the Savior, they don't do. They don't do. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. That famous statement given to King Saul all those years ago. Trust and obey. And those that that trust and obey in the Savior are likened to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. I was listening to R.C. Sproul, a famous preacher. He's gone to be with the Lord now. And he was explaining um, that in Israel, there are two rainy seasons, generally speaking. It's not always the case, but there are, generally speaking, two rainy seasons. And when the rains come, they come. They come. The deluge is massive. Even Scotland can't match some of the, the rains that they that they face there. But there are these particular valleys in Israel called wadis. Quite, quite fun to say, actually, wadis. A bit like the Scottish laddie, but wadi, W-A-D-I, wadis. And these are valleys which are often filled when they have these, these deluges of, of rain. And flash floods will come very quickly as this, as this rain pours down. And these valleys, these wadis will be filled with water very quickly. And if you were to Google wadis and flash floods, you will see article after article of over many years of just tragic instances where someone has been caught in one of these valleys as a flash flood has come through. Students who have been out camping or a lone walker who hasn't been paying attention to the, the warnings that have been going on the news as they, uh, as they, as they can tell that this is going to happen, that the, 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 this rain is coming, the floods are coming. 
So just be careful. Don't go down to where, to these valleys, to these wadis. Stay away from them. But year after year, they have these instances where people haven't taken to the warnings and the floods have come. And sadly, many lose their life. And just towards the end of last year, I think it was the 23rd of December, same, exact same incident. There was the rain season. It happened. The flash floods came. And I believe someone lost their life just as a result of not heeding the warning. And so this is the picture that the Savior is giving to those who are listening. That, they are, that they've got this man who's building a house beside one of these valleys. That's building a house beside one of these valleys. Now, if you know that you're in a place where there are, there are floods, where there, there are heavy winds... You want to make sure that your house is built on something. That's built on something that is strong, that will stand that sort of test. And so as we have in the illustration, we have this man who's digging out of the mud. He's getting rid of the sand. He's getting rid of the soft mud until eventually he hits some solid rock. And on that solid rock, he begins to clear away all the rest of the debris. And on that solid rock, he begins to build to build a house so that when the rains come, that when the wind blows, that when the floods eventually hit, it remains firm. It does not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. And so this evening, the challenge to us is, what is your faith founded on? What is it founded on? And regardless of your length of service here in Holbrook's Evangelical Church or in any other church for that matter, no matter how long you profess the name of Christ, you should always be willing to take that step back and just evaluate and just try to understand what is my faith built on? Is it built on anything else other than the rock? on anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you still someone who is of poverty of spirit, who still realizes their need of the Savior, of that work that he did on Calvary's tree? Do you still rely on him? That is the great question. And for those of us that do, we have this glorious liberty, this glorious liberty that nothing, no matter what comes up, nothing can move us. I had this uh, opportunity this morning to preach in Mount Road in Hinckley, and the sermon, the psalm that I was preaching on just dovetailed so well with what I'm preaching on this evening. In Psalm 93, uh, verses 3 and 4, it says this, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. And this is referring to the problems that we can often have in life. This psalm was written as the children of the the people of God were trying to rebuild Jerusalem. We're going through it, or we will be going through Ezra and Nehemiah in the near future. We went through Ezra last year. And these people were trying to build the, the, the temple of God and the, and the city of Jerusalem again. 
but they had a number of problems. They had a number of issues. They had people coming up against them. And the, the psalmist uses this picture of the floods lifting up, the problems being big. The voice of the waters is loud. And it's not just one wave, it's waves. It's wave after wave coming up against the church of God, coming up against the people of God. This is one of the glorious truths for us as Christians. It's not that the Lord comes and saves us by His grace and says, right now on you go, get on with life, get on with doing what you have to do, I'll see you at the end. I'll see you at the end. I've done my part, now you just need to get through life. Not at all. Our Savior gives us the means to build upon Him and not just to build upon Him for our eternity, but for this life too. And so when the floods have lifted up, the huge problems that we face in this world and the noise of this world and the noise of our own flesh, and it seems as if we get hit by wave after wave after wave, we can rely on this. That verse 4 of, our, of this psalm says, The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Brothers and sisters, it's very real to me that in the next couple of decades, three decades, it could be easily the case that me standing here doing something like this, that Ben preaching in the pulpit becomes an actual crime because we are preaching the whole counsel of God. Don't have to look far now in this nation, just over the border in Scotland. And already they're trying to bring things in to try and curb the message of the gospel. And it's only a matter of time, unless the Lord moves in His providence and delivers us from that, it's only a matter of time before that comes. But no matter how high the, the waves might seem, no matter how loud that world gets, no matter how many times they come up against the church of God, because we are founded upon the rock, we will not be moved. And as long as the church of Jesus Christ is founded on Jesus Christ, we shall not be moved. And that's where we stand. That's where we need to continue to stand. And as individuals in your own life, that is where you must stand. Because there are those. And what's incredible is to think is that there were people probably in the congregation, not probably, there would have been people in the congregation as Jesus said these words. People who would have witnessed them healing the blind, healing the lame, seeing tremendous wonders. And who would have heard this sermon on the mount the first time it was preached, but they just heard. They didn't listen. There was no obedience that followed up after the, the sermon that they had listened to. And in verse 26 of our passage, it says this, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on 
the sand. It does not get much more foolish than a churchgoer who finds himself before Almighty God and all he can say is, I have done. I have done. I have done. They will be one of the biggest fools that will have ever existed. More foolish than the biggest atheist on this planet. Because they would have sat in the church of the Lord and heard the gospel preached and heard how it must be all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It must all be about His glory. But rather than hear, they've chased after their own glory. It doesn't matter what status you arrive at. There will be ministers. There will be prophets who will stand before God on that day and He will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. How foolish. People who have stood in a pulpit and preached something very similar to what I am preaching but have never listened to it themselves. And the great fear that I have here this evening, and I don't say this for dramatic effect, I say this because I care for your souls, the great fear that I have this evening is that there may be some of you here that are hearing these words but are not listening, but are not taking this in, but are not understanding that right now you are a fool to play with eternity. Because the image is this, that you are there in the house that you have built on the sand. And you have been told the floods are coming. The warning is there, the floods is coming. There is coming that season when the wind will blow, where the rains will descend and the flood will come and the flimsy house that you are sitting in will fall and great will be its fall. You are a fool. Heed the words of the Savior and understand the need of the hour. That You need to be someone who is a poverty of spirit. Someone who realizes their situation before God and that you need the Savior. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke's account of this, he uses the word ruin, and great was there its ruin. And that is it, brothers and sisters. Friends, if you do not understand or even consider what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to you this evening, is that your ruin is for eternity, not for time for eternity. Great will be your fall. Great will be your ruin. If today is the day of salvation. Today, the Lord is more than willing to hear you cry out in faith to Him and to ask Him for forgiveness. And as I've said already, those who ask, those who seek, those who knock, the Lord will hear. The Lord will 
answer. Today is still the day of salvation. And it's no wonder that this passage, this chapter, this sermon ends with these notes of the, of the observations of Matthew. As he says, and so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. And you see, this world will have all manner of things that they will point you to in order to get through this life. All manner of ideologies that they will give you to try and get through this life. Nothing, there is nothing that compares to Christianity where it says it's nothing to do with you. It's all to do with him. The world will give you all sorts of things to try and better you. You can't better you. But there is one better than you who offers you salvation full and free. And so even as Christians here this evening, it is good to consider what is it that we are building our lives upon. And if it is upon the rock, then we know this. We cannot be moved. But I think it's adequate to finish as the Savior finished. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Amen. May God add a blessing to the preached word. We're going to finish by singing a beautiful song that talks about it being all about the Savior and Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak made strong and the Savior's love through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all.
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.